Okay. Sports Dev, Richard Lilja, welcome, sir. All Thank the you way Copen Copenhagen, Denmark, my friend. Um to be here. Yes, thanks for coming. Listen, before we jump in, uh, Sports Dev series is sponsored by Arewa Baobab Fruit Powder, um, one of the most nutritious substances on the planet. Get your Baobab Fruit Powder from arewababab.com. That's Baobab, B-A-O-B-A-B, Arewa, A-R-E-W-A.com. Richard, how are you? How are things in Copenhagen? Things are fantastic in Copenhagen right now. It's summer <laughs> Then, then it's much better to be in Scandinavia than in the I winter know. time. It's very cold here. It's crazy. Two times I've been there. I came once in the in the fall, and I came once I think in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference, huh? That's the difference. At three o'clock, at three o'clock it was nighttime. <laughs> so, but it's a beautiful place. Um, what was the COVID situation like? Sorry, COVID situation in Copenhagen. What's that like? Oh yeah, it's getting much better in Denmark now. We are opening up. Um, we are opening up very, very fast. Um, most uh, we are only five million people, so it's not the biggest country in the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm vaccinated already, and uh, most most people are. Okay, so, which, um, which one did you take? Which vaccine did you take? Uh, Pfizer, AstraZeneca. Pfizer. Pfizer, good. Yeah, you took the good one. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know the difference. Yeah, there's, there's there's some that make you grow a third arm. I mean, like you, you, you could follow <laughs> that uh, discussion and, and dialogue, and uh, I I just chose. I'm in the football world. It's enough for I me. Know. I just I do know. what the doctor orders and just follow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, speaking about football world, five million people in Denmark. Um, how do you? How how does how does the D, DBU, the Danish Football Association, find, you know, um, the athletes that that are needed to be successful, and how how does that process work? Oh, it works uh, very well in uh, Denmark. It's much easier, of course. Now I know that you're from Nigeria with uh, 180 million people or something. <laughs> I have no idea how they are going to find their under 17 team, but it's much easier in Denmark. We are very structured, uh, organized, uh, and the structure is very, very clear. Uh, you have uh, the main clubs uh, where all the good players are. So you basically when we have to take our under-17 team or under-19 or whatever national team, I mean, you have to go to, let's say, 20 football clubs. Um, and then you have watched all the kids in that age. I mean, it's very structured and very easy. Um, yeah. Because uh, I know... Different from yeah. Nigeria, I would guess, because how do you scout? Well, Nigeria scouts so many... Yeah, Nigeria scouting is very, very difficult. It's um, it's a much bigger country in, in geographical landmass. Like you mentioned, uh, it's 180, 200 million. Um, so it's much more challenging to t identify. Yes. And, and and honestly, that's why some players, uh, a lot of players, fall through the cracks. And, I could um, imagine. Yeah, they they don't they get missed. And there's a lot of talent, so you can imagine there's a lot a lot not being um, harnessed. But, but I think in Denmark the is interesting because I know all these professional clubs have uh, U19, U17. So if, for instance, you're a player that plays in the north, in one of those islands in the north, whether it's uh, Aalborg or Aarhus, um, and you're playing for U U17 team there, uh, you you have a chance to get scouted. Or or if you're playing for I don't know maybe. Vila, which is another small club, it, it doesn't matter how big the club is. You have a chance if you're good enough to play for the youth teams. Is that how it is? Yes, that's uh, that's right. I mean, the scouting system actually works. I mean, if, if you are even playing for a, a, a small club in the country and you are good enough, I mean, in the local area, they will know and the scout from the bigger clubs will come. It's It's, yeah... Because yeah. the country is not bigger, we cannot, um, we don't have afford, we cannot afford to lose any talent at all. Well, and, yeah. and it will be found because the country is, is not very big. So, so it's quite, it's not easy to make it because the players still have to do a lot. 
it's hard work to become a football player. But in general, we believe that anyone in Denmark, if they want to, they can become a football player. Yeah, is, is the like being a carpenter or a dentist or a lawyer or a garbage man? If you take the education, even I believe, then you can be a professional football player. It's an education. Okay, you might not end up as Messi, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, or Slatan, but most of the professional players, I mean, we don't know them, but they have been professionals for many, many, many years. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, some of the more successful Danish players, um, that have played you know you see them in like maybe the epl or in uh syria you know like a christian erickson or um the defender for chelsea i, I can't forget his name. Andreas Christensen. Uh, Andreas Christensen. Him when he was a little boy you coached him when he was a little boy in Birgit world it was oh, wow. small, it's actually not a small club it's quite a huge club but but uh, it's not an elite club yeah yeah i've heard of bickerod now christensen very good defender uh you know ericsson amazing player and i know he went to ajax but some of these some of these guys you don't um you don't tend to see as many um danish players and i, I might be wrong on this because i'm not sure about the german league but you don't tend to see as many players being exported out of denmark is there a reason for that in your opinion well i think it's not true uh, what you are saying. I think <laughs> okay. uh, the, the, the Danish league, actually, the Superliga, is yeah. a very, very good place to, to be. I think wherever in the world, if you have a, a contract um, uh, in, in, uh, that you are a football player, then I think the Superliga is a fantastic league, actually, to, uh, to, to develop your skills and, and to move on, because we deliver players both to the Premier League and to the Bundesliga, and so, so the environment in Denmark is actually quite good. Uh, and the Danish players, of course, because here in Denmark, they are well educated. They can all speak English and typically also a second language like France or German or Spanish. And then they adopt very well in the Bundesliga or Premier League or La Liga because, I mean, we are all in Europe. It's the same environment. So they, of course, they have to, to take the step up because of course, inside the field, uh, the, the, uh, it's another environment because then you have to step up. But outside, it's just the same. I mean, living in Spain or England or Denmark, it's a European country. It's the same. So they don't have to adapt there. That's why I think the Danish players, it's very good to come from the Danish Superliga and then move on. That's actually where the Superliga is, is quite strong. And I think a lot of our young people manage to go from the Superliga and, and go out uh, into Europe. So so I'm actually quite uh, positive about the, the Danish Superliga um, in that perspective. Mm -hmm. now, and speaking about the Superliga, um, I'm familiar with it and some of the clubs there. They're pretty well-organized clubs. Is there... Because when you look at European championships, right, whether it's uh, UEFA or you look at Champions League, um oh can i interrupt you here yeah because actually right now in the next couple of days the european championship is on and then yeah. like uh we, we are used to getting into the uh, european championship and i mean right. we're only five million people it's not logical that we should be there every time but we are and all of the, our players are playing in uh coming from the super league and they are now playing uh, out in europe somewhere in the liga in Italy in CAA on the Bundesliga, where we have a couple. Uh, and also, right now, unfortunately, we lost the other day. Uh, well, we were in the quarterfinals for the Under-21 European Championship. So I think that's a little proof of that the Superliga actually generates players for the bigger leagues in uh, Europe. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, no, and I was going to ask about like the European club championships. Um, I know oh, yeah. I a couple of years ago I saw you know remember when Michelin played Manchester United and they got knocked out in UEFA and then, but is is there in your opinion is there a reason why you don't see as many um, Danish clubs successful on that level? Uh, yeah, because uh, the other teams are just much better than us. I mean, we don't have any. I mean, the kind of muscles, financial strength 
that they have in Spain, Italy, France. You cannot compare the Danish uh, league with that at all, which means, of course, that um, the, when our best teams, like FC Midtjylland, Copenhagen and Brøndby, which are the three top teams at the moment, uh, and also financially, when they compete against European teams, I mean, it's just very, very hard for them because normally they are comparing, uh, playing with, with eight lesser teams than themselves yeah. in the Danish Superliga if there's 12 teams, like let's say that. Yeah. So so it's hard for them to get ready to uh, when you play on, on, on this level, but you need to get ready to play on this level in Europe and you only might play there. Yeah. So, and, so it's, uh, it's a tough... Uh, uh, I mean, that's what Danish coaches are good at, and because, as you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I have a half-time position. I'm, I'm working for the Danish FA, coaching the coaches. And yeah. what we are really good at, uh, the Danish coaches, it's taking an average team with average players and make them perform better, uh, and make them, uh, yeah, that's that's what we can do. What that's what I, I mean is characteristic by Danish coaches. I mean, if you are a Spanish coach and, and coaching Barcelona, I mean, you should be... Uh, it's a different task, isn't it? I mean, there you have a top-level team who has to make top-level um, all the time. Uh, and it's just it's just uh, uh, different than when what we're used to in Denmark. There we have an average team. I have an average team at the moment. <laughs> They're getting relegated. It's Husum. But it's an average team, and but under my uh, supervision, they have got some points. Yeah. And so they are performing better than than what they actually are. And if you have FC Copenhagen uh, or, or FC Midtjylland or Brøndby, who actually wins the Danish, Brøndby just won the Danish uh, national uh, uh, Danish national. Yeah, they just became Danish uh, champions. Yeah. Uh, but now they have suddenly to perform better in Europe. Better than what they are, actually. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I actually want to ask you some questions about the coaching and and the coaching philosophy. But before we get into that, let's talk about the money for a second. Now, most of these clubs are owned by in, individuals. Am I correct? So, Bronby, Michelin, Copenhagen. Uh, I know uh, Norseland just got bought by Right to Dream, but a lot of those clubs. Are these owned by wealthy individuals? Is it kind of like in uh, Italy or in England where you see maybe, you know, Russian billionaires or American billionaires owning clubs? Who are, who are the owners of these clubs and how do they finance them? No, well, again, I have to... Maybe that's not the, the right picture to paint. Uh, normally in Denmark, clubs are just open. Um, and uh, today, of course, the top... Uh, I mean, we have the Superliga and the Nordic Bed Liga, where there are the professional clubs. Then there is a company, which is typically uh, on the stock exchange. So it's just like a company like anyone else. Uh, and then, of course, in the late years, in the last couple of years, uh, we have seen that foreign investment is taking place in Denmark. And then you have your what you are calling... Uh, uh, a rich guy coming in and buying this club because he also maybe have a club in, in France or he has a club in Bulgaria and then they can move players around that if they get better in Bulgaria then he have, they have to step up and he can move them to the club in Denmark and if they step up from there he can move them to the club in France and if they step up there then there's money in the box for him. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the plan. Um, so, so I would say that the, the ownership is not like one guy is sitting. That's not the typical picture of the clubs in Denmark. Ah, so it's kind of like is community owned or some of them are companies that are That's publicly. That's where they come from. You have to remember yeah. in Denmark, it's community owned. All the clubs. I mean, if we go to a field, it's open. We could go in there, you and me, kick around. I mean, Denmark is different or Scandinavia. It's different, of course, where everything is free, like education, health service, like going to the field. We don't have to rent it. We can just take our football and go down there. Yeah. Um, I th I, 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 listen, I think that's a beautiful thing. Some people disagree with me, but it is what it is. I think, you know, that well, the we fact pay, that... We pay, we pay 50 to 60% in tax. 
<laughs> that's a problem that's a problem but but yeah but i think um no that it, it's good that people have access to all these facilities um but in terms of the clubs um i mean don't, don't you think that to really to be able to compete in europe the way you know um that you need to given the fact that all the teams you're competing against have all these have this influx of cash you yes, know, um, it, it, it's true. I mean, you have to wonder if we take football in general. Yeah, I, I, I think everybody should. If you invest in a football club, you lose money. It's just like buying a boat, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just, uh, I don't. Of course, I, I I acknowledge that some clubs make money. It, it's just like playing the lottery. I I acknowledge that someone is winning many millions, perhaps, but but mostly you cannot live your life on buying lottery tickets and then say, oh, that's my uh, living. And that's what I mean. It's, it's, I wonder sometimes because all the clubs in Denmark, except in, in these days, uh, maybe FC Midtjylland and FC Nordsjylland, right to dream, is making money generally. All the other clubs are losing money every year. And if it was any other business, I mean, if you had a shop selling shoes or ice creams and you didn't make money year after year, I guess at one point you would close when Correct. you are running out of money. It doesn't right. seem, it just seems that it comes another uh, person or uh, it goes on. And that's actually, that's strange. <laughs> that, is, yeah. that is strange. And, and, and we, are, we are losing money in Denmark. And of course, the money that they are losing in Italy, in Spain, in Germany, and the surrounding countries are just much bigger. So we cannot compete. Um, because they just lose more money than we do, yeah. which make them a better team. They simply have better players. The players are there where there is the highest pace, just like anything else. Um, so, so yeah. you're right. We, 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 are, we are not competing. We are not competing. I don't think, of course, when, when we are out there, like, like Brunby is now, trying to get it into the Champions League, of course, they're trying everything they can. Uh, but basically, I see the Danish Superliga as a development environment where the players can develop and getting ready to play uh, in the Bundesliga or in the surrounding countries. And that's also where you see Right to Dream, who has an uh, academy in Ghana, and then they have uh, FC Norseland, and they are moving players up and they are getting ready and they are getting sold from, from uh, FC Norseland. And they are making money with, with this transition. Uh, the same with FC Midtjylland, who has a, uh, an academy in Nigeria and your home, home, home country. Yeah. So, so that, I, I think, and of course, they would like, they play every match to win. <laughs> of course, they would like to win the Danish championship. But I think the goal is to make money, to, to sell these players, to get them ready. And Denmark is a fantastic environment because also we see the door. Uh, I, I mean, if you say just below the, the professional leagues, with, let's say in this uh, conversation, that's the Superliga and the Nordic Bedliga. So there's the two levels there. If you go lower, we have a fantastic <coughs> football environment because in Denmark, of course, we have the organization. We are very structured. But we also have the perfect fields everywhere. Anywhere you go in this country, there's a perfect field. In just a small town, they have a perfect field. You can go out, practice. We have very good educated coaches. Um, yeah, not because I educate them all. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, 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 but generally, um, uh, the knowledge here are very, very high. That's what we live on in Denmark because we don't have any natural resources. So it's only uh, um, the education. So, and they are very, very educated, which means that there comes players from, from just the, the level below the professional league up to the professional leagues. Uh, so, so it's actually a very, very good environment in Denmark to become a professional football player. Uh, 100%. Yeah. No, I think, and um, I really, I'm going to get into talking about the coaching uh, development and all that i really want to talk about that but one quick question so if a team is promoted into the superliga from the league below do you know what kind of um financial uh i guess 
is money comes to that team once they get promoted um into the super league how much it is yeah how much they make so you know typically a lot of teams when they get promoted into a certain to the top flight because of the broadcasting deals they get yes. yeah, no yeah. i don't have those uh, numbers yeah. I, I would say um a player in uh, a player in the nordic bed league besides this i mean i it, from 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 the low guy to the top guy there's a huge huge difference huh? because some yeah. some teams in the nordic bed league has just got relegated and came from the superliga uh and and some teams just came to the nordic bed league so of course there's a huge difference between these two teams yeah. but let's say a player generally in the nordic bed league makes 5000 euros 5000 dollars uh a month and let's say in uh, the typical player in the superliga uh is making 10000 dollars a month uh, and then some much much more but let's just take the average player yeah um so that just gives an example of uh how far away we are from competing on the financial stages let's say the premier league i mean i cannot i i have no idea what a premier league player even the lowest premier league player is, <laughs> is paid but but it's it, it's a huge compared yeah, to way, way more than that yeah yeah I, I i think so so going to your into the coaching i know you you work with the danish federation and um you also develop coaches across the country what is what is the coaching philosophy in denmark is it um is it a focus on fundamentals is it a focus on um or playing giving young athletes the ability to play and become creative and i ask you this question because I listened to um, one of the coaches that develops coaches and players from the Belgian Federation a year ago at a at an event in Toronto, and um, he was talking about how players in Belgium don't play eleven v eleven till they're about maybe uh, thirteen years old. They let them um, play, let them become creative, give them the ability to do things. Yes, they might come and correct one or two things, but they really don't try to coach them too much um, at a young age. You know, um, so what's it like in Denmark? In, what's that philosophy like? Well, I think our, if you have talked to the Belgian guy, then our philosophy is very similar. Uh, and I think um, you would find that uh, between the, um, the federations across Europe, it's very, very similar. And so when, when they're young, I mean, just in the, five or six years old, they come in and it's, it's just play. Huh? We built, mm -hmm. let's, uh, and, and it's true, 11 versus 11 doesn't come before they are 13, 14. Um, then they play eight versus eight, they play five versus five, and three versus three. And, and before they play 11 versus 11, your main focus as a coach should be to be build individual fighting machines. I mean, me, I, I should kick the, the, the ball with, with the left foot, with the right foot. I should make my turns, my feints, uh, header, whatever. I mean, I should be ready as a football player. And then, of course, when you have uh, to play 11 versus 11, I mean, give me uh, the fallback line when they are under 19 and within two weeks, I can make them stand there. Now there's no more goals. If my keeper is just average and I have my four-back line, then I will make sure no goals within two weeks. I think with an under-14 or under-15 team, we could coach this forever and they still will run around. Um, and, and it's not because it's wrong to to coach uh, tactical uh, team tactical uh, issues when they are uh, thirteen or fourteen. It's just if you have so much time. I mean, if they are if they are really are shooting with their right foot, left foot, they can do the turns, they can do the feints in, in fast pace. If they can do all these things and are ready fighting machines 
they are strong and they are fast and they can do all these things. Yeah, then you might. Otherwise, I would wait with these things because that is things that you can learn them in a young age and that they need to learn. I mean, it's just like you. I, I learned to play chess in a very, very young age and it never goes away. I'm a very good chess player today or I were, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> I were a good chess player. But it was because I learned it and I had to learn it. You cannot at a certain age, uh, when you are 35, then start learning chess and become just as good. Or you know it when you are skiing. I mean, the kids, when they are five, six years old, oh, now the world is like this, and then they ski like that. And when we are 32, we, it, it takes us two weeks with an instructor just to, to get down the children's hill, you know? So, so that's why it's important to build these individual machines and that's, of course, a challenge for the, for the coach because uh, the coach, he, he might need to have his team to win. Uh, and uh, if this is a guy, he has to, okay, now he has done this feint, you know, and uh, he has to, he had learned it, we are practicing. Then, of course, he should do it in the match. But it might not work the first time or the second time. Uh, and you might lose the match because he's trying but that is it more important that he's trying than than this team actually that he just kicks the ball up to the to the attacker who's very fast and, and then he can score a goal and then you win the match and then he should just shoot the ball. So uh, I think uh, in Belgium and Denmark it's very um, same when they are under fourteen. We are building individual fighting machines that are ready and then team tactics comes much later. Uh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What What are your thoughts about the U seventeen World Cup? Do you think it's important that teams win that tournament or the U U seventeen uh, FIFA U seventeen World Cup? Yes. Yes. Is, does that does that does that in terms of development does that even matter? Because a lot of these guys, um, you know, they're young, they're still developing, good players. Yeah, but, but we are talking the World Cup now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. World Cup, European Championship, those things. The other day, which is maybe more one more than a year ago because of the corona, I was watching FC Norseland's uh, under seventeen, and they were playing uh, Odense, uh, another Odense. great team. Yeah, Odense. and uh, they were behind zero two. There was twenty minutes left of the match, and the goalkeeper still played the ball out to the right back, who played. Uh, and they were still practicing. They wanted to play like this, and they were still practicing. It was not, they didn't change anything for 90 minutes. They were still practicing their position, their position, uh, uh, their passing game. Now, just after the under 17, the under 19 FC Norseland met uh, the same UB under 19. And uh, again, uh, FC Norseland was down only 1-0 when there was 20 minutes left and then the under-19 team changed. They also played from the goalie out to the right back and then they, uh, the passing game but when there was 20 minutes left the coach said change, you go up boom, 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 shoot the ball move, boom and then they made some changes because they wanted to win the match. So that was a huge difference between under-17 and under-19 in FC Norseland where they, 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 they were actually still developing the players. They still had to play like the first team. But the under-19 had to learn that it's also about winning. And I would say if you go to the national Danish team and they are under-17 uh, uh, under and they are going to the World Cup, I'm sure that, of course, in January all year, we have been playing all the under-17 team uh, matches they have been playing, the players, um, the coaches has not been concerned about the result. But if you're going to the World Cup, I would try <laughs> to win. I would, I mean, that month a year, especially yeah. that month a year, we would we would take all developing aside, go for the win. But unfortunately, it seems to me when I go around, that's when I coach both here in Denmark and also when I've been to the States, uh, I see it's the 11 month 
you're going to win and then we develop maybe a month preseason. Correct. Because they want to win all the time. And then you have the big guy uh, in front of the goal who can kick the ball very far up uh, the, the hill to the fast attacker who can, who can score a goal. Yeah. And then uh, the midfielders, they're standing like this for a whole season. <laughs> uh, and you can say, okay, did, did that really develop the players in the best possible way? But you might win some matches. Yeah. Yeah. But let me, so, which, is, which is an interesting point. If you think about it, right? So the youth club you're with can severely affect the type of player you become. So if you're with a youth club... If you're with a youth club that likes to play out from the back, like you mentioned with North oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And is consistently playing out from the back. This is how they've played. So as a player, this is this is how you get developed. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that's true. If you have if Sinorsland uh, in Denmark who wants to play uh, with the football around the field, uh, and uh, now we have a big attacker. Now, this might say something about our age, but, but we know Peter Crouch. Yeah, Peter Crouch. <laughs> I mean, if Peter Crouch came in to FC Northland and said, then FC Northland would say, uh, oh, you're a very young guy. Uh, we can see you can become uh, like Peter Crouch. But it's not in our environment. We don't play with a target player like that. Go to FC Copenhagen because you will fit in perfectly with, with their environment. Yeah. Um, and... and uh, but they, they can, of course, afford that because they can pick from the very, very best players in uh, Denmark to their environment. Uh, so it's, it's clearly, if you are that kind of player, if you are a, a Peter Crouch, then you should play in FC Copenhagen. Uh, if you're kind of like Messi, you should play in FC Northland. Okay, so it was... The styles of play, but that's at the professional level. At the development level, let's say you're a player, right? You come up through Northland, and you're used to playing that system, ball out from the back, the ball is on the ground, everything else. But then Northland doesn't sign you as a pro, and you have to yeah. then go to Copenhagen. Copenhagen says, oh, you know, this player has some skill. Let's sign him. They bring him in, but he's not used to playing that system. He got developed, maybe spent six years at Northland with the philosophy of football, where the ball is on the ground. Now he goes to a club where they play it in the air and they try to find that target guy and it's very direct. What are your what, what are your opinions about that? Have you failed to prepare the player for uh, that style of play? Or do you think the player can adapt to that situation? Yeah, I once asked FC Northland about that. That if they only depend... Uh, because they are, they are very... We play like this. But what about uh, this? No, we play like this. And, and I actually once asked them, what, well, and, and, and when you look at the, when you scout their players at home ground and they are playing like this, I mean, the player looks very, very good because they know exactly what to do. I mean, when they put the ball into the box, it's not like we are putting it close to the, to the penalty spot. No, 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 no. It's in this area. Or this area, or this area, and then maybe the penalty box is divided into uh, uh, 81 uh, squares. So we're coming at square 63. So yeah. I run to 63 and there's a ball and I score. It's a very huge advantage to know that. And once they, uh, an English club scouted uh, this player, and when he came to England, of course he couldn't play because they were playing totally different. But he looked very, very good in, in this environment. And I was asking, isn't that really too bad that, that we that we develop players who can only play in this system? And then we can see when they go to England and they are just on the bench and if they're lucky, they're on the bench or they are totally out. And as they said, uh, but Richard, then we already sold them. It's <laughs> 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 a good point. Um, but, but but, but, but of course, the, the player should also, I mean, already in his education, in his younger years, he should have been exposed to different kinds of uh, environment and systems. And so it shouldn't be a, a problem, even though I had, um, as, I, as I said, I asked them actually. And, um, but, um, but I think the, 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 player, the, the players just have to step up. Huh? They just have to manage. 
uh, and it's not real. I mean, it's a chaos game, isn't it? I mean, you can play to this side, this side. Uh, you have to run forward. You have to run back. The ball may bounce. This is just chaos. So they also need yeah. to find their own solutions. They 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 have to be able to adapt to yeah, different situations. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the that's one of the most uh, important things as a professional football player. You have to adapt. You have to adapt to new countries. You have to adapt to new everything. You just have to adapt all the time. Yeah, it's very very hard to be a professional football player. Yeah, so you could be you could be a a winger offensive-minded winger, they bring in a new coach, the coach says, no, I want to play as a wing-back now. Yeah, so now you exactly. have to defend. We had, a, we had this very good player that I actually uh, also once time met in, uh, in Silkeborg, where my good friend Peter Sørensen was head coach and I was missing to them. They had this player, Robert Skov. Yeah. And he, he was very, very fast on the wing and he also made a lot of goals. Then he was sold to, the, to Germany in the Bundesliga and then he was uh, in the four-back line. Uh, he was still fast and, and could make goals, but it was just another level and they just used him there. And I thought, well, that's a waste to use him there with his qualities, with his speed, and he can actually score goals. But that's what they did. I hope for him that now he, I think he's got a new coach, so I hope it will change for him because I think he's much more worth uh, up front. But he, he adapted and he played. And he's on the Danish national team right now that is going to uh, the Europe, the European Championship. Yeah. And I hope Denmark is playing him as a winger and not in the fallback line. Yeah. So, so um, speaking, speaking of Danish national team, what's the name of that player that plays for Denmark? It's from, it's from Sudan originally. What's his name? Play for Michelin. Ah, I forgot. The name. Yusuf Poulsen. No, not Paulson. He's from Sudan. He's from Africa originally. Oh, Siuno uh, Pisto. Yeah, Pisto. Yeah, Pisto. He's pretty good, right? He plays as a winger too, right? Yeah, he hasn't performed uh, very well, I think, lately. Uh, I mean, FC Midland, where he is at the moment, um, was actually um, going for the Danish uh, championship. Yeah. Uh, they, I think they were six, seven points ahead. And then they lost it in the last round, in the last couple of rounds to Bonnevue. And and he didn't, I mean, they really had good players. And I think he didn't perform. He didn't step up. He has been in, uh, in Spain for many years, but it's back uh, now. Yeah, yeah, he was in Spain, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, yeah, he's a good player. He still plays for Denmark, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good player. Denmark has a pretty good team when you look at their squad. Hopefully, you go very far in the Euros this year. Yeah, I hope so. It's going to be a nice summer. <laughs> yeah, I'll be watching. I'll definitely be watching. Um, so, you've worked, you know, clearly you've worked in a lot of European countries and you've also worked in Africa and you've also worked in, the, in, in North America, in the US. And so, what do you think about um, some African players why, when they come to Europe, they struggle to adapt, uh, even though they may be skilled or physically fast and strong, um, they get to the European leagues or like in Denmark, let's use Denmark as an example. And it might take them some time to settle in to the system. <clears throat> Again, I mean, African players, don't they do well? Um, I know, of course, they, they, I mean, when we have from the lower leagues players that are doing well and they get a contract in the Nordic Bet Liga or in the Superliga, yeah. then of course it's very natural for them because they don't have to change anything around. It's only on the field something has changed. Now the ball is moving faster. You have to run faster. You have to run more. Maybe not faster, but you definitely have to run more. Yeah. Uh, when you get a contract. Uh, so he has to adapt inside the field. Uh, if you have an African player coming to Denmark, he has to adapt in all areas. Uh, recently, I had a, a player from South Africa. And he was freezing all the time, not just <laughs> on the pitch, but I mean, even in his hotel room, he was lying under the, the blanket <laughs> with, with the heat uh, turned all the way up. He was just freezing all the time. 
Um, and then the food is different. He's a long way from mom and dad. He has no friends. Uh, he can't speak the language. All kinds of things makes it difficult. And Denmark makes it even more difficult because it's expensive to be here. Huh? It's not a, not a logical choice for an African player to come to Denmark. Um, yeah. um, so, so it's a um, so there's a lot of issues why it should be more difficult for for an African player to make it uh, in Denmark. Uh, but of course, I think if an African player came to Denmark, it should be because he's already he's already that good. Maybe in his home country that he already have a contract. I mean, that's the level of player. That, that should move here because then when he's he has a contract in Denmark, of course, then he can afford to be here. Uh, right. But also, I think the Danish Nordic Bet League and Superliga are very, very good developing uh, environments uh, and a very good match uh, environment also to develop into become your best version of yourself. And then you might be able to play in Italy, Spain. So. That's a very good. So I think Denmark is a stepping stone for African players, but they should already, when they come to Denmark, be so good that they can get a contract here. Absolutely. If they don't get a contract here, it would be it would not be a very good choice because it's so expensive in Denmark, and you have all these environment things that you could just as well do, uh, like say in Hungary or Bulgaria. It would be more natural for an African player to, to move to these countries because it's very, very cheap. And yeah. um, and there they can develop to to get used to all the surroundings of being in the European countries. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting, and, and and you're right that that there are you should definitely be very good in your home country first before yes. you yes. yeah before That's you are. That's true. Yeah, I have so many. I mean, because I'm a scout, also I get maybe uh, 50 players uh, from Africa every day who, who sent me uh, typically. Uh, their CVs and uh, some stats and maybe two or three minutes of video where they, of course, all look like Messi. Uh, and then I get uh, two from Canada, one from the US, three from uh, uh, Japan and uh, also five or six from Balkan. And what to do with all this information? I mean, let, let's face it, 50 people all sending three minutes of video the first thing I do is I delete it all. It's not really to be rude, but what should I do with all those informations? Get all this information. And of course, uh, they, they all want to come here to get a contract, but really they should focus, all these players should focus on getting a contract locally where they are. Mm -hmm. And from there, they should move on. Yeah. Because if they can't get a contract locally, I mean, it's not like uh, I hear all kinds of stories. But it's not like Messi is running around in Nigeria and not getting scouted. I mean, if you have Messi, I mean, he would be found. He would get a contract in the team in Nigeria. He would get on the national team and he would get scouted. And later on, he would play in Manchester United or what I like. Well, well, the thing is, we, we didn't, we, not, not, you know, since we're talking about Denmark, but we're talking about Nigeria. But with the Nigerian dynamic, <laughs> Having scouted there so for so many years, it's a it's it's very different. Let's let's hypothetically say we do. But, but you have to agree if Messi is there, he will be yes. scouted. So so let's let's talk about Messi. If Messi, not the way he currently is, but the way he was as a youth player, is in Nigeria. Uh, he's good enough as he is. Oh, he's very good. Now he's now he's the final product, right? <laughs> but let's yeah. say as he was. If 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 he was in Nigeria, a lot of things would happen. Different people will approach him. They'll say, yeah, come play for this club, amateur clubs, amateur clubs, amateur clubs. But it doesn't necessarily mean he'll make the national team. Even if he goes for the tryouts. That is the... Because like you mentioned, right? 180 million people. For a Nigerian U17 tryout, do you know how many players show up? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, over 2,000. Yes, I know. And the it's coach, crazy. the coach can't even watch most of the oh. games. So he would be he would be in the midst of and he would get missed. Yes. He would get missed. I'll give you an example. There's a guy um that played for Nigeria national team for several years. Actually, one of my favorite players ever, um that played for the team. Uh, his name is Abafemi Martins. He played for Inter Milan 
for years. Was very, was very, very good player. Inter Milan signed him from an amateur club in Italy, and Italian club got him from Nigeria. This guy went to the Nigerian U17 tryouts. They sent him home. Not barely two months later, an Italian club signed him. And he goes to Italy, not up to a couple of months in Italy, Inter Milan signed him. That's how good he was. He goes yeah. to Inter Milan, has several years playing for Inter Milan, a fantastic player. Goes to the English Premier League, plays for Newcastle, scores amazing goals. So you can imagine, very fast, very speedy. He played as a forward, played for the Nigerian national team for several years. They didn't, they didn't, Nigeria didn't approach him until he was doing very well in Europe. So you can imagine so many youngsters, you know, 70% um, of the population is under the age of 25. So, you know, majority of the country are young people. So if you have an open tryout, you just have so many people coming. You, As a matter of fact, you can't even take them all because for management's sakes, you have to turn back several. So that's what, um, if you look at... Uh, the, the talent level that's what makes a nigeria so uh tempting because you know that there's there could possibly be a messy but no one is paying attention to him. No. <laughs> it's no. seriously no one is paying yeah. attention to him because oh some people might be like he's too short he could dribble but he's too short he could do, yeah. you know and it takes maybe like a coach like you through the program we work on uh, dfdi for you to come in have the program and say, wait a second, that guy, he's very good. I want to work with him. And this yeah. is how these things happen. So um, unlike unlike yeah. Denmark, you, you know, uh, 5 million people, very organized system, is very, is much easier, you know. Yes. Um, or even Ghana. Ghana, is, Ghana has a smaller population, a uh, smaller country, much easier, right? Yeah. To for, for like a right to dream, to identify the talent. But you come to Nigeria is um, goodness. Just Lagos. You don't even have to leave Lagos. Twenty-five million people. Yeah, How do you... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy, man. So, but, but yeah. you are right. I mean, uh, what I think a country like that in Nigeria and and people has to understand all the, all the information that I get in, and I just delete not to be. Uh, but I, I cannot watch uh, three minutes of video times you, 50 yeah. times. It's too many. It doesn't yeah. work. Like I also have my daily job and, and work. Um, but, but, but it's true. I mean, still, if you have the players down there, uh, there should be some kind of local investment. It's just like everybody wants to sell this tomato uh, and they, they like to get uh, uh, revenue or profit from this tomato. But as, as I keep saying, but, but you need the ground, you need some water, you need some seed, you need to nurse this tomato. You need a lot of uh, local investment before you actually can sell the tomato. You cannot just start selling the tomato. And then, uh, and even if the tomato comes to Denmark, well, then everybody thinks, oh, that's my experience both in Ghana and Nigeria because I've been working there for a long time. Then they think, oh, then there's money. No, no, you still have, it, it just came to Denmark. You still have to sell the tomato. <laughs> I mean, uh, believe me, in Denmark, it's not. Um, so so then when you sell the tomato, it's huge, very big, and it goes to the Premier League, then it's money for everybody. But right. everybody has to invest in, in this. And that's why I think, uh, um, as, as we are talking about, I, I would be very happy to go I actually had a contract uh, last year in uh, in again, and I, I were supposed to go there for one year. And now, because of the COVID, Corona, it, it did not happen, unfortunately. So I'm still in Denmark. But but basically, going down there, making the local investment, taking the educated, very best coaches from Europe, put them down there because it's much cheaper to move one coach to to practice twenty or forty players uh, for a season than it is to take. One player from Ghana and Nigeria, and then, oh, he didn't make it. Uh, no, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's very yeah, expensive yeah. to move. Very expensive, correct. Just cheaper to move the coach down there if you correct. have the facilities and all the correct. local investment that is needed. And then coach, because the potential, I mean, everybody agrees the potential is there. We can see it from FC Norshan, FC Midland, 
who are the only two clubs who are making money in Denmark. We're just, just joking. Small money. Ah, you see? Huge money. And they have this value chain going yeah. right through. And I think that's a very, very good idea. But you still need local uh, investment. And you also need a local, local, local business. I mean, when you then produce some players, then let's say 40 players, one or two might go to Europe. But you still produce also players for the local market. You should not underestimate that. That getting players from who were amateur, I mean, there is also money in in both Nigeria and Ghana and football. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, no, you're right, and I agree with you. You know, we've discussed this before. I certainly agree with you. I think that investment is needed. Uh, investment in the right channel and channel the right way is needed um, to to make sure. And you're right. Not just sending players abroad, you know. Um, every player can go to Europe, so it's a situation of um, you also need to make the investment at home, so the young players can have jobs at home. Um, yeah. Because you might find a 17-year-old kid; he's, he may not be ready to go to Europe um, physically, mentally, but it doesn't mean he's not going to be ready at 20. But he has no, to be playing yeah. consistently, so that when he is 20, so you need a club locally. That he can play for, that pays him, that feeds him, that he can train for very well, and so you know, and these things happen. So um, it's a huge investment. When I was in Vegas, you in the, in Nigeria, we saw some very good players, but also I, I remember this tall guy who was very skinny, and I said, okay, first we have to feed him. I mean, he was but if he got in, in, into a real league where they were pushing, I, I think it was just for I mean. But but he was skinny. I mean, yeah. you could not just you could not just say to him, uh, go make some uh, some uh, lift some weights. Yeah, go go yeah. to the local gym and do a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, you need to eat something because you need to have muscles on that body, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a huge, Those, it, it, all yeah. kinds of investment that is yeah. needed yeah. to to make this. But the market is there. No, very 100%. huge potential. Very huge 100%. potential. Hundred percent. Yeah. So. Now, Rickard, listen, thanks for coming on. I know we're, we're, we're short on time and you have uh, some other appointments. Yeah, but, I have to uh, go and practice. Yeah, the I know. Days, I know. But look, I would love to have you back. Um, maybe we could do a, a Danish roundtable because I haven't been there. I kind of like some of the, the work that you coaches in Denmark do. You do very good work on, uh, in developing players. And I've seen some of the players you've developed, which is always very commendable coaches like yourself like denny and uh some other coaches there so yeah definitely definitely absolutely look forward to having you back okay thank you very much boomer nice talking to you yeah